Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I am Mariah Rose. You are listening to a podcast about the 80s, so thanks for joining us if this is your first time. Yeah, hi. Welcome. If, if not, well, welcome back. <laughs> yep. Hi again. If you would like to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can at lasergraves.com mm-hmm. or wherever you get your podcasts. We do appreciate the support, and if you like what you hear... As always, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, That really does help us out. This week, we are finally bringing you one that, you know, I didn't know if we were going to actually ever cover it or not. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had to kind of um, speed up our schedule this week due to out-of-town visits and travels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So... I was like, well, what are we going to do? We didn't have time to sit around and debate. We knew what we had to do. Mm, We had time. You just were like, guess what we're doing? We did not have time. We had, it takes five minutes. We had one choice. And that one choice was Warlock with Julian Sons. Oh, okay. (laughs) Where was time? I just had to get through it. Oh, please. You loved it. It was good. But I just meant the selection process because you kept bringing it up. So it had to happen. It did have to happen. And it's happening right now. Here we are. We're in it. We are in it, everybody. We've stepped in it. It's on Buckle up. Put on your flight helmet because we're going for a ride. Oh. Well, before, let's just hold off on the whole warlock love. We teased. We're going to pull away for a That's minute. right. All right. What did you find at the thrift store this week? I had a good find. Oh, last, good. Yeah, last week was not so good. So I went out. I've only went once this whole since we last recorded. Walked in and I was pretty sure it was going to be a, a flop. But I saw this. It was like a ceramic white canister. It's over a foot tall. Very big. And it was actually really well made. So it's a mushroom. and You pull off the mushroom cap. And it sounds like it's cheesy 80s, but it's or 70s, but it's pure white, and it's actually really beautiful and contemporary and well done. And there's like a, a snail with its spiral shell. It's just super duper detailed. And I was very jazzed. Just grabbed it and was like, "Good, bye," and walked right out of that thrift store. I saw people eyeballing it because it is super beautiful. <laughs> you like pull out your switchblade and you're like, "I'll cut you." Yeah, I was like, "My precious," and just. <laughs> scuttled off into the shadows but uh it's i actually looked it up and it's anthropology so it's it's not old that may be over a lot of our listeners heads what is anthropology whatever no i didn't even know what it was until you told me this week it's just a store (laughs) whatever (laughs) you're talking to a whole different like hipster crowd right now it's the, rich hipsters. Yeah, cool kid rich. Well, that's what I was saying is now we're going to be that couple that when people come over for like dinner, they're going to see that and be like, oh, she's one of those people that shops at that place. Sure. And then they'll <laughs> see the cake tray with all of the fake teeth we have and they'll get over it. <laughs> the little baby that's in there with Yeah, the teeth. I put a baby doll in there. What did you find at thrift stores? <laughs> I uh, didn't find anything because I went thrifting and... Multiple times spotted uh, another thrifter who had hit it right before me and was like, (laughs) you got to expand. You got to start collecting things like belt buckles. Well, I'm also um, about to journey out for the weekend and I have very high hopes because I will be out of town and maybe possibly I will find something. So I will report back. But I did find something. 
I think the week before I didn't even discuss, so I could talk about that. Okay. I found uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse, which we have not seen in a long time. I don't think since it came out. Yeah, me too. So I'll be very curious to see how that one holds up. I remember it being kind of... Well, all of his films are. I had storytelling and I just ended up getting rid of it. I was like, I don't know how often I feel like I'm going to be like jazzed to watch this. It's a one time watch. It's worth it for sure. Yeah. Definitely puts you in a very specific place. But I only paid 25 cents, so I couldn't pass it up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Thrift Store Finds of the Week. Hopefully I'll be coming at you next week with some killer finds from my out of town trip. Yeah. If not... You will never know, because I'll um, keep it to myself. Oh, no, you won't. (laughs) I'll cry publicly. Yes. (laughs) Okay, folks. It is the moment you've been waiting for. We're Golden child. No, just kidding. (laughs) We're doing Warlock, 1989. Oh, my. With the one and only Julian Sands. Oh, are you going to do this the whole time? I might. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. How how many times have you seen this? I think just once, maybe twice. Okay. Yeah, so you I, didn't like grow I, up with this as like a, a no. staple? No. I've seen it before, but I'd pretty much forgotten it entirely. And, and as we rewatched it, I was like, oh yeah. You, you've seen part two? Uh, yes, I think so. But I don't think I've seen the third. Well, third doesn't matter because he's not involved. But okay. Okay. So, okay. I was just checking. Uh-huh. Curious. Well, the big thing to get up front and out of the way is our director, who mm-hmm. horror fans will definitely know, Steve Miner. He is a, a pretty major powerhouse in the world of horror in the 80s especially. He is responsible for two of, if not the most um, important contributions to the Friday the 13th franchise, Part 2 and Part 3, where Jason got his mask. So oh. so that's the Steve Miner we're dealing with. He also did House, a film I really love, and a film that a lot of people secretly love but don't openly admit it, Lake Placid. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's was our... Lake Placid was the one with the uh, crocodile? Yeah. Okay. Alligator? What is it? Uh, well, It I would don't... be an alligator, wouldn't it? Crocodile is like... Um, down in in Australia. Yeah, I always think Nile crocodile, American alligator. Okay, I think it's a I think it's an alligator. Who cares? And now I'm second guessing myself. I don't know. We're not authorities. We just pretend to be, guys. We are. Okay, well, Steve Miner directed, composer Jerry Goldsmith who comes up time and time again. I think he even did a song on the Burbs recently that we covered. But yeah, that's we're not going to go into the whole resumes on everybody, but you know, that's those are those are some big names. So off subject, but back to crocodiles and alligators. Uh-huh. Um, what about Yetis and Bigfoot, an abominable snowman? Where do, where are they from? They're all the same thing. Well, I would imagine the more north you go, the the name changes. Like so Yeti is north, and Bigfoot's like south. But yeah. then what about Skunk Ape? Well, I think like Bigfoot is like the south. I think Yeti is more northern, and then when you get into, like, Upper Canada is when you get into, like, <laughs> the snowman. Okay, so wait. Skunk Ape, I think, is, like, Georgia. I don't think Skunk Ape's an acceptable term. It is. There's I, That's the southern one. And then I think oh. <laughs> Bigfoot is, like, the Pacific Northwest. I think if we had a Yeti here, you would probably take, probably take offense to the term Skunk Ape. But it's a thing. Look it up. Okay. Look well, up the skunk apes. I will not do that. Oh, okay. I'll anyway. Take your word for it. Ask an alligator. 
Okay. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. I'm not sorry. I don't care. Well, this film is an 80s film. It was released in 89. It was actually completed in 88 and then shelled for a couple of years because it's one of the last films that New World Pictures was responsible for right as they were going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. I actually really like that distributor, but yeah, like all good things, they had to come to an end and Warlock was at the end of that. So it kind of got caught in that limbo, especially in the US. It did get released the next year in, you know, some other countries, but it didn't get a proper release until 91, I think, uh, oh, with Trimark weird. picked it up and gave it a limited theater run. So it did hmm. get a little bit of a run. But yeah, it's unfortunately one of those cases which seems to be common in films we cover. <laughs> where mm-hmm. They're like the tail end as, as uh, companies are going bankrupt. That reminds me of Robot Jocks was that same situation yeah, too. Where they just kind of slipped through the cracks. They could have probably been more successful mm-hmm. had they had some support. Yeah, yeah. Just bad timing. But yeah, so that's the film that we're dealing with. And it's pretty interesting. I I grew up with this film. I've watched it a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like Warlock growing up. I, I thought it was a pretty fun film. I thought Julian Sands was pretty cool looking. He's kind of a weird uh, lead. I didn't know him until a few years later, maybe in high school, when we watched, uh, what is it, Boxing Helena? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in that. <laughs> so yep. I was like, Dude, wait, he's, it's Warlock. He's been in quite a few things. I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, you're going to list them off, are you? Well, kind of. I went into this thinking I was going to learn a whole bunch about Mr. Julian Sands. But <laughs> he's one of those boring actors who just does his job well. <laughs> He has, like, no drama. I mean, he's, like, married and divorced, but he's just had a super steady career from childhood to present. He strikes me as a thespian. Yeah, he's and he's worked very well. He's done, you know, stage theater. But he did, he was in The Killing Fields. He was in Room with a View. He was in Arachnophobia. And most interestingly, Naked Lunch. Oh, yeah. You know what? He had a pretty bit part in that, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he plays a character named Eve. Yeah, I think I kind of remember that, too. Yeah. We haven't watched that in quite a while. We should no, probably I'm revisit beginning. that one. I would like to read it first. Yeah, we've got it sitting there on the shelf, too, the Cronenberg film. Yeah. So in America, we have this thing where we expect our actors and actresses to have big old personalities. But I actually, in truth, find that distracting when I'm watching a movie, like, with any... Well, like with Brad Pitt, we just covered him not too long ago in Cutting Class, and he was just, we refused to even call him by his character's name <laughs> because we just thought of Brad Pitt. That's true, yeah. And and um, Julian Sands, actually, all of the actors in this, they're just working, working actors and actresses, and they don't have huge stories yeah They're just people living their lives and doing it successfully he's an interesting dude i don't know a whole lot about like if he did anything shady like most people when you dig i didn't deep enough. see anything but i did hear an interview with him maybe last year mm-hmm. and man i i mean i mentioned this once before i think this is what started the whole warlock obsession yeah. on here is he is just the way he discusses film and art and everything he's just got such a beautiful voice that i could listen to him talk all day long he's just very intelligent yeah very careful with his wording you know he's not he's just not a you know this dude he's definitely strikes me as like a a high working 
thespian. Yes, and you could listen to him all day. He's done some video game voiceovers and stuff like that. So Interesting. You know, Warlock got a video game release. I think it was like Super NES and Genesis. Weird. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I bet you uh, I bet you our boys at Super Tat definitely have played that. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're at it, we should talk about our three leads. So we have uh, Julian Sands, who plays Warlock. Oh, yeah. We have Laurie Singer, who plays Cassandra with a K. Uh, and her name was Cassandra. Yeah, and just a little very brief background on her. You'll know her most from Footloose. Oh, okay. She's the reverend's daughter in Sure, Footloose. yeah, I watch that weekly. What's interesting about her is that she was a model, boring, cellist. Not just any kind of cellist. Oh. Yeah, her father was a conductor for the Oregon Symphony Orchestra, and she played for them starting from the age of 13. Oh. And, like, she's still very accomplished as a cellist, and she actually was the youngest graduate of Juilliard. <laughs> oh, okay. So, oh, we're working with high-caliber people here. We are. This Interesting. This is an art house film now. And then the other character I'm going to just very briefly talk about, uh, Richard Grant, he plays our other lead, Redfern. Oh, yeah, Redfern. Uh, and he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, The Age of Innocence, Rise of Skywalker. But most importantly, you would know him from Spice World. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man, spice up your life. But he's had his same story. He's just a working actor who has done his job very well. Loads of successful films. This just happens to be one of them. These guys did a really good job, I thought, in this uh -huh. film as their roles. Which, you know, normally it's later on in the episode, but I'm going to drop it early. This what? week's fun fact. What? So originally, the way it was cast was reversed. Redfern and Warlock were... The different uh, actors. Oh. And then I think it was Steve Miner that made the switch. And yeah. man, could you... I mean, actually, I could see that as both. However, I just... It's synonymous with Warlock as yeah. Julian. So I just I couldn't imagine at this point. I think Julian's blonde hair really played well, just visually against his dark clothes. Yeah. So I could see where uh, Grant's, you know, his darker look would also work for Warlock, but I think Julian Sands was meant to be. Yeah, but I thought that was kind of interesting. That is. Yeah. Huh. Who knew? Well, you know, we're not going to talk too much about this film. We'll take you through it, yeah. but we're not going to hold your hand. Calm I mean, down. we'll probably fly around a little and you know, <laughs> drink the flat or the fat of the uh, unbaptized. <laughs> yeah, whatever that's about. <laughs> but I, one thing I did like is at the beginning, uh, it opens with somebody like walking around with a cat in a basket. And it seriously... <sighs> All I could think was the cat from Uninvited. They're like, <laughs> I just imagine that this was like, what's the the like prequel to Uninvited was in, in the like puritanical times. Yes. <laughs> the cat was actually like part of a warlock society. It's a storyline that yeah. just weaves its way through <laughs> horror movies. Yes. Yeah, so we're in old-timey days. Uh, the movie starts that way, and you're kind of scrambling to go, like, are we in England? Are we in America? Yeah, it's and it is. it goes on for a long time. It's Yeah, there's one scene in particular, but the way that you get your bearings here, one shot, and you go, oh, we're in America. 
It's the shoe buckle. Oh, is it? The puritanical shoe buckle. And you're like, okay. Yeah, it's a lot of Puritans walking around. I mean, I felt like this opening scene was like 25 minutes long. I think it was 40% of the movie. I do feel like you could (laughs) cut a lot of this movie down. And this would be number one on my list of areas you could cut down on the film was Mm -hmm. it took them... Like four hours to just get up to the cell where Warlock was being held captive. Well, they were burning through their titles and stuff at this point. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. But this is uh, 1691. We're in Massachusetts yeah. and Warlock is chained up. and He's in the top of a tower that took forever to climb to. Yeah. And he's going to, you know, they're going to take care of him. He's got his toes shackled. Yes. He's <laughs> bent over because he's got his like thumbs and toes shackled. Because really that's funny. how you catch a warlock. Durr. Catch a, a warlock by the toe. I think that's how that nursery rhyme goes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> and there's like some cool cloud coverage that comes over. It's all very corny. But... Yeah. He's set to be executed. That's what's happening. And right. Redfern is the guy who captured him. He right. comes up and he's like, ha ha, got you. We're going to burn you or hang you till you're dead and then burn you above a basket full of cats. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that's that. That's why they were putting the cats <laughs> in the basket. <laughs> and then that's when the storm cloud comes in. And it like sweeps him away. And yeah. we flash to modern day time. Which, where are they? They're in L.A.? They're in... my. Mm, I assume L.A. Malibu. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, it's the devil's wind that blows <laughs> in, a.k.a. bad special effects of a, like, dust devil. It's more like the Tasmanian. I just imagine, like, and then it's just Julian Sands, and he's like, and then it, hello, <laughs> yeah. I'm Julian Sands. That's exactly how this movie was. That's kind of how I thought it started. I, okay, we'll talk about this as time goes on. And it was validated when I looked into the critics' views of this uh-huh. right away. And I've seen it a lot, but when you watch it to, to actually talk about it, you pick up on things. This reminds me so much of Terminator. Does this not remind you of Terminator? Well, like, yeah, hardcore? he's changing time and place. And he's like appearing, and then there's a guy that comes after him to capture him. Yeah. And I mean, it's the it, same idea. Yeah, I, I thought that throughout the whole film. And then. Uh, when I was reading, you know, responses and critics' reviews of the time, mm-hmm. one of the major things was everybody was like, this feels a lot like the plot of Terminator. It is. Yeah. I mean, in a different way, but absolutely. So the Devil's Wind were led to the time and place through a radio broadcast. They're like, whoa, it's crazy here in Malibu. We've got <laughs> okay, the Devil's that's Wind. that's how we got that. This is crazy for 1989 or whatever year. It's 88, March of 1988, because... So they uh, say it all. Yeah, we find out later he picks up a magazine and right. I wrote down the date. I was like, ah, okay. But we're, this is where we meet Cassandra with a K. She's sleeping in bed. The warlock lands outside of her apartment. We don't, or her house. We don't know why at the moment. We crashes through her window. Yeah. And she gets up and she and the man she's living with, like it's a, she's in a boarding situation and she's living with a guy named Chaz. (laughs) Chaz. And like she had been homeless and Chaz has like let her rent a room in his very fancy house. He's like a quick look around. He's an antique guy. He's got loads of antiques, which is kind of important. Yeah. And Chaz is like, oh, it's cool. We'll just put him in your bed. Yeah, this is very weird. Um, yeah. But Julian looks awesome, by the way. Very cool. He's a cool looking dude to begin with. Long story short, and this whole scene, like, 
Yeah. They basically nurse him back to health. This is when I... They, I caught, just, they let him sleep him it off. Yeah, but I, this is when I saw the date because he grabs like a magazine or something and it says March 1988. Oh, okay. But when he gets up the next day and he's got his whole look down, uh huh, that's pretty cool. You know, and it was at this point where I couldn't remember if Warlock was good or bad. I was like... What? Uh, really? Yeah, it's been a long time since <laughs> okay. I saw it. And I was like, I felt like you're, was he misunderstood? I was, I was just guessing, like, was he misunderstood? And he's going to oh, redeem himself? That's the other story of Warlock. Uh, quickly, that question is answered because Cassandra heads off to work, but Chaz is there. He's getting ready to make omelets. War- Warlock comes into the kitchen. Dude, this scene is so cool. And he wants his, like, mood ring or something. Yeah, it is totally a mood ring, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's like his hippie ring and, and uh, warlock can't get enough of it and he's like well it won't come off because of for some whatever reason because he's got a wonky finger and he pulls the like a four rooms move right here and just grabs the yeah. knife with no hesitation and hacks off his finger and and takes the ring if that wasn't cool enough no it wasn't i need more <laughs> he goes up and what looks like he's kissing him but yeah. he actually is ripping his tongue out spits it in the frying pan to make a tongue omelet but the thing is, he has the full tongue, so he went real deep. Oh, he went deep, all right. Yep, and then I guess that's enough to to kill Chaz because that's the that's goodbye, Chaz. What a great like just entrance Pretty into fun. yeah the modern times. Warlock means business. Okay, next the warlock goes to the bookstore, metaphysical bookstore, Mariah, at <laughs> where every fourteen-year-old goes. Well, this is actually an important scene, which was cut down pretty dramatically. The original scene, I'll tell you about it in a second. But this is where he goes to meet a channeler, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will know this person, Mary Warrenoff. What's she from? Because she's familiar. I okay, because we don't do a whole lot of resumes, even though on this one we kind of have to. But with her, I'll just limit it to a few. Are you ready? Okay. You definitely know her. Death Race 2000, Get Crazy, Whoa. Night of the Comet, Terror Vision, Chopping Mall, House of the Devil. I mean, Jeez. she's been in everything. Okay. So, yeah, she's here. This is, she basically, her role in this whole scene is to Very give small. the massive backstory of what the warlock needs to even do. Yeah, it's super quick. He asks her, she, he's like, I need a spiritualist to channel a spirit for me. And she's like, okay. And she's kind of flirty. And at first she's like, boo, I'm Zamian. <laughs> and he's like, no, we'll just wait for Zamian. And This is a cool scene, isn't and it? And then she puts her head down and pops up and she's got demon face. Yeah, so the original cut, which uh-huh. had it, I think, in, like, test audience trailers, and, and they were like, no, 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 and they changed it, mm-hmm. was that she, like, goes topless and then gets frozen, and the devil's eyeballs emerge from her breasts, and oh. he removes them. Like, it, I guess, was pretty awesome, actually. That sounds crazy. Yeah, and it was cut. There was a lot that was cut out of this film. Yeah. But needless to say, he does take her eyeballs yep. um, after a pretty cool demon scene. Like she converts over to like a full demon. Yeah. And the story is uh, Julian Sands, the warlock, has been moved to the future because he's got to gather up three separate sections of the grimoire, which is like the a, devil's spell book. Yeah. And within the devil's spell book is the true name of God. And if he says it backwards, he's going to undo creation. And if he does all of this, uh, Warlock gets to be, like, the son of Satan. What do you think about that? 
I, that's a pretty damn cool plot. I don't, you ask me. That sounds like a lot of work. I, I just am well, not would, that motivated. You should have to work for it. It shouldn't. I guess. You but can't, why can't all these millennials the not working one. for anything? Warlock knows how to make a buck. He he's hustling. He's hustling hard. <laughs> anyway, he grabs her eyes because she's gonna show him the way. So okay. he's got two palm eyeballs, and they lead him back to the house where Chaz was. Yeah. So he is... realizes he was like plunked down right where he should have been. This is also where um, this feels even more like Terminator because now uh, Redfern, mm-hmm. our tracker, uh, enters into the future as well. Yes, because he, he was like pulled in yeah. to the devil's wind. But it's pretty funny because he appears and he goes up to Cassandra and he's like, where is he? And just starts slapping her around. Like he's very, uh, very 17th century of him. Yeah, how dare he? Yeah, but I do like that he's got his nifty witch compass. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. Like uses the blood of Warlock to Yeah, well, he forces her to like show him a scraping of blood on a chunk of glass. And then he puts, mixes it up with some water, uses it as a witch compass that points in the direction. This, though, is really funny because after this whole deal about his cool witch compass, it just shows that the warlock's just standing out front. Like, yes. It's not like they had to go on a journey to find him. Nope. Couldn't they have just stood up and looked out the window and been like, oh, there he is. Well, not yet, because she had called the police and Redfern gets carted away. It's a whole side story. <laughs> okay, but... well, anyway, Warlock is already there. It's not like they really needed the compass. Yes, and he's there, but Cassandra's alone with Warlock. Yeah. <laughs> and this is when he puts a curse on her. He's got a pretty cool chant. Let's hear it. Tout, tout, thrown about your callow life in dismay. Rentum osculum tormentum. A decade twice over a day. <laughs> okay. It, you know what? If he was just shorter and had more makeup, it's the leprechaun. Yeah. Don't you think? I agree. Very like, nice. These two dudes could probably do some back and forth freestyle chanting all day long. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, so he, he while he's at this house he puts the curse on cassandra and also breaks open an old table and finds the first pieces of the grimoire in there yeah now cassandra's cursed let's do spend a little time on that okay it's pretty damn funny oh gosh basically every day she wakes up she is 20 years older yeah she passes out after receiving the curse and wakes up right. as a 40 year old but what i don't know if anybody caught this when i played the, the clip of the curse there, it's pretty quick if you didn't catch it but basically, the curse says that um, only her face will grow old, but her body will remain a hot 20-year-old's body. Really? No. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm just... By the end, when she's like 74 and running, she still has like a hot bod. Yeah. It is really funny. I'm like, they really only focused on her head. And I mean, the makeup here is a little... A little lackluster. I could tell that their heart wasn't really in it. Yeah. She's also surprisingly handling the aging at first pretty well. She's, She's like, well, what? She's got this attitude. We didn't talk about that. But her her like uh, disposition in this film is very much not like punk oi, but she's like rough around the edges. Yeah. She's a street child. She's not especially likable at any point in this. No, but... definitely not. And she's at least like attractive at first, so you give her that pass, you know, that you give <laughs> that you give attractive people. You're like, "Well, 
to a certain point, you can act awful, which is totally garbage, but we do it. And then when she's old, you're like, oh. <laughs> now you're just an old person. <laughs> <laughs> you're an old and you're mean. But she's 40 and she looks like a 60-year-old. She, Yeah, that's ridiculous. They age her real bad. I she, mean, it was the 80s and they didn't have good skincare routines, but the, she wouldn't have that kind of sun damage if she's aging overnight. What I love is that basically, like, she hooks back up with Redfern and they go to a, like, mountaintop where she's just screaming because she's old now. Yeah. And I mean, he's, like, fiddling around with his witch company. I mean, this is such a nerdy scene. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe that's how you take the edge off of aging. Maybe you and I should I go just, out into the desert and just scream a little bit. I just like that she's, like, screaming that she's 40 and her I'm life's old. over. Like, she has no reason to live anymore. No. They make her look like 70, and she's bitching about being 40, and I'm like, rude much? Yeah, how dare you, <laughs> lady? On. Calm it down. <laughs> yeah. But she realizes she's stuck chasing Warlock with Redfern because she will keep aging and then die within a few days if she yeah. doesn't get her special bracelet off of Warlock's wrist. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the story of why she's stuck with, with Redfern. And as they're driving, Redfern is, like, taken to the modern world fairly quickly. But he's chewing salt into a whip for this (laughs) really long scene. It is funny. And the only reason that's important is because he explains to her that salt is bad for witches. So it'll, it'll bring it back around. It will. There's also a little subplot that we haven't discussed that is continually coming up that's important where she has to take uh, insulin shots. Yeah. We'll talk about that. She's later. diabetic. She's diabetic. But, um, you know, especially once they're together, there's a lot of um, forced humor in this. Is this a horror comedy? I, I mean, there are some moments that are funny, but I... It's very much like Terminator, right? Where it's like one-liners from the, like, uh, hero. Yeah, but it's not paced at all. No. It's not like you're in it for laughs. So you're like, oh, that was silly. They, they drop a lot of humor in this. Yeah. And it's very awkward. <laughs> Question. Do you think it's just that it didn't age well and that it was like 80s humor where people were like, ha, 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 ha that's so funny. I'm sure there's a little bit of that for sure. That is weird to realize because we lived in those years. But now a lot of times I find myself even with like 90s and early, early 2000s going, uh, why did I think that was funny? Yeah. <laughs> it's not even like, I'm not even like, huh, to it. I'm just mystified that it was funny at any point. Well, they're on the hunt for Warlock. And, you know, what he has done is, um, oh. this is, a okay, we're going to spend, we are going to slow it down now and spend some time on this scene because it's bizarre. Okay, so can I lead us into it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so we go, it's outside of a trailer park and there's a little boy and Warlock sitting on a, uh, one of those little kids uh, swing sets, but like the kind that go in your backyard, not a full-blown swing set. And he's hanging out on the seesaw asking, like it's a, it hangs off of the bottom of it. It's like mm-hmm. an 80s thing. And he's asking the boy about going to church and if he's been baptized. He's really nice to him at first. Yeah. And then the and sec- plays video games. Yeah. He's like playing electronic football and stuff. The second he finds out that the boy has not been baptized and doesn't go to church... It cuts. Mm -hmm. And we later find out, this is brutal, Uh that he butchered the boy and cooked his fat 
because it's an old old-fashioned warlock spell that if you boil and drink the fat of a virgin child unbaptized unbaptized virgin child you have now the ability to fly boy does he and we will talk about flying however okay why the scene is important is because of um, a true story that is beyond bizarre and bonkers. What? Okay. I'm more nervous. <laughs> well, you and your your true crime. So this one's for you, Mariah. No, don't do that. Okay. This happened in 1995. So this is after Warlock 2 had come out. Okay. We're going to journey up north to the great land of Canada. Oh, good. It's Canadians. We yes. can blame everything on Americans. And we're in Saskatchewan, Canada. Okay. And there is a 14-year-old boy named Sandy Charles who is getting more and more pulled from kind of day-to-day life. He ends up getting a Ouija board, starts to try and contact spirits, starts to believe that his room is haunted mm-hmm. and that spirits are living in his room with him and that he should kill himself. Oh, This is a very sad story. Is he schizophrenic? Well, at the time, he thinks spirits are just speaking to him. Okay. One of the spirits tells him, maybe don't kill yourself. Maybe you should kill somebody else. At this time, he is also obsessed with the movie Warlock. And Warlock 2. And he's watching it multiple times a day. And he finally decides, after watching it ten times in a row, to gather a... Uh, I think a seven-year-old boy as his accomplice goes over to a kid he knows who is eight years old, says, you want to go play baseball with me? Oh, no. Hits the baseball. For you listeners who are more squeamish with real-life crime, you could fast-forward because this is pretty rough. But this really happened. Hits the baseball into the forest, lures him out there, and then proceeds to brutally murder him, a 14-year-old murders this eight-year-old he stabs him slits his throat beats his head in with a rock no and then it gets worse then he uh takes strips of skin off the kid's body goes home and eats them because he thought he could have the ability to fly like warlock (gasps) in the movie oh no yes true story and so the cops come they question him because they were last seen that boy was last seen with these two kids they finally fess up. The uh, accomplice, who was so young, was yeah. kind of let off. Well, in Canada, they're going to let everybody off. Well, he was tried as an adult, but um, was found not guilty because of insanity. Yeah. Yes, he was schizophrenic. And then he was sent to a psych hospital where he has spent the rest of his life. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. That's so sad. I wonder what impact that had on the the makers of this film to like realize Very the crazy. reach. It's a wild story that happened in real life based on a a young schizophrenic child who saw this movie and became obsessed with the cult. You know, what's crazy um, is that there's also accounts. I read a New York Times article from 1995 on this. I got a lot of my information that he also in the courtroom was saying like he was trying to impress Satan so that when he returned in the year 2000, he could be like a servant of Satan because based on the movie... This is, you know, what you do. And so it was pretty tragic, pretty extreme. That is to say that I already found this scene in the movie gruesome enough. They don't show it at all. 
But it is like, wait, what just happened? And then to think that there was actually like a real life copycat is oh, is pretty rough stuff. That's devastating. Yeah, it like is. Like for all families involved. Oh for my sure. Gosh. Anyway, Yikes. so sorry to bum you out, but Thanks. Um, that's what we're dealing with because we find out that's what Warlock does. He like uh, butchers this kid up, drinks his fat, and then with horrible like Superman four effects, has the ability to fly oh, around. So bad. This it's is like really bad. Air scooting. I like this movie a lot, but whoa, the the flying effects I could have. They could have probably finessed that a bit. It was like something that you would see on TNT in 1994. Yeah, it's it's bad. So bad. So let's segue back to see what's happening between um, Cassandra and Redfern. They're doing a little get to know you like session as they're driving and hunting. Like they'll pull over. He'll use his witch compass. It'll point towards wherever Warlock is. They hop back in. And she, we find out that the reason Redfern is so hellbent on, on capturing Warlock is that his wife was, Marion was one of his victims. Right, yeah. So that's, like, why he's so incredibly motivated. And uh, Cassandra, we also learn, is not aging gracefully. <laughs> no, not now. At now one, she's over it. At one point she shouts, nothing could be worse than this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cassandra. I can think of a lot of things that are worse than getting old, but whatever. I do like, though, in this film that we have to deal with uh, her being old and running around trying to keep up. Yeah. But she's still got her, like, 20-year-old outfit, like her tight mini skirt. Yeah, and her, like, tights. It's really funny. So let's flash to Warlock has taken up in a farmhouse. In a Mennonite barn. Yeah. And he is kind of learning some cool tricks. I didn't, I don't, I'm not even sure that there are many Mennonites in Colorado, but. Right. Uh, You know, but about his cool tricks, I do appreciate that. This is old school um, effects where it's like hand-drawn, you know, animation over the top of his hands to do the fire. And it looks really cool. No, I had a problem with it. Really? Okay, so they're at first, they're like trying to track. So he's juggling fire from hand to hand. And they're using special effects over the top, but they're also tracing it with lights. So there's somebody on the other side flashing a light on his face on one side and then on the other. Mm. But it's really off. That troubled me. Well, that is. But I mean, the actual like animation looks okay. It looks pretty cool. Well, compared to like CGI right now. I don't know. I was just so angry about the flying effect. (laughs) I wasn't going to forgive anything. That's what bothered me was I was like, how come you can do such cool like animation and then just do this horrible flying effect? Who knows what their ability? were it well i know what his abilities were and they did not look good on screen no so they're they're at the he's like in in the attic and this mennonite family is they're like oh the bread didn't rise and this old mennonite man is like i know the signs oh yeah because like a cow is sweating (laughs) and like milk like a cow has given curdled milk Right. So then he paints a like a symbol of a hex or something on his bread barn, mm-hmm. and Redfern spots that, and he's like, "There he is!" And so they do a beeline for this Mennonite house. They like try to trap Warlock in the attic. Yeah. So they like they're ready. It's time to sh- throw down. There's some pretty cool scenes here where um, Warlock uses his special flying abilities and powers to use the like weather vane on top of the barn to try and yes. stab. 
Redfern, but then Redfern picks it up like a javelin. Yeah. Man, he's a good shot, Apparently, too. he's superhuman. That yeah. was ridiculous. He How much could that weather vane weigh? I don't know. But he throws this, like, pure iron weather vane through the sky at yeah. a flying warlock and impales like him. Like, 100 feet in the air. It's a pretty sweet move. And then they go over and they capture him because uh, Redfern has the, the cool, like, toe shackle thing. He brought it to the only future. Way to, only way to catch a warlock is by the toe. And they start clamping <laughs> the toe up and the warlock's like, anything but my toes. Not my toes. Yeah, well, he doesn't say that, but it's implied. He's ticklish. It's more in riddles that he says that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. And as they're starting to, like, get him in the toe clamp, he makes the Mennonite's eyes bleed. Yeah. And Redfern panics. And he's like, never mind. Let Warlock go. Gotta save the Mennonite. So he starts dangling some keys in front of, like, their copper keys. It's a whole thing. Whatever. This is, by the way, I get that they're trying to give him this humanity because he later says, like, I just have to try and rescue somebody. One life. Yeah. Come on now. You're talking about a dude who just admitted he has two thirds of the book of like Satan's spell book, basically. And he's about to undo He's creation? about to undo the entire world. And you're worried about like one old fart's eyeballs. Like, no. come on now. Prioritize, buddy. Yeah. And even the Mennonite, Mennonite guy should have been like, <laughs> yeah, let's... I'll take this blindness for the greater. Yeah, good. let's do that. Even I think he would have said, even if this kills me, maybe don't undo creation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go get him. But instead, he let. That's old lady Cassandra go like chasing after him and she runs and she starts hammering nails into his footprints because he's got like bare this. feet. I thought this was actually kind of cool. You basically, if you put a nail through the footprint in the ground, the bare footprint, it uh, hurts him. And he catches on, he puts a board over his feet in the train, mm -hmm. and uh, so she can't hammer his feet anymore. But then she finds where he rested his head in some dirt and smashes it in with the hammer. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. So he gets his head smashed, and he's like, passes out. And his hand is dangling out of the train, and she sees her bracelet. The old lady charm or curse can be broken if she just gets it yeah so there's this insane long scene of her chasing a train with like trying she's to get like it. in her 80s at this point and eventually she does and the curse is lifted yeah it's really funny and you know i didn't remember this very well so when she got it, i was like oh yeah of course they weren't gonna let her be not hot the whole movie yeah oh yeah they're they like okay we're done now we that's played itself out but they're going to try and now get to, let's just kind of fast forward to, yeah. they're trying to get to the last pages before Warlock, which are in Boston. Yeah. So they have to go back. Two sets. One was at the Mennonite's house. One, one was, was in, in the, the antique, table. Yep. And, and then, yeah. And the last is like at a church in Boston. That's where they think. They have to get on a plane, which Redfern has a big drama about, you oh. know, the, whatever, this bird in the sky kind of thing. But how weird was it to watch? And they're like handing a weather vane and a knife <laughs> cigarettes yeah. oh my god <laughs> times have changed on boy the plane. have they but we get uh not snakes on a plane but warlock on a plane mm -hmm. he's hanging out in the cargo bay doing cool magic again yep just he's playing just with his, his fire hands well you gotta keep yourself busy it's and then a when they long land, flight they land and there's this awesome flight out of the cargo bay <laughs> just like, like yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, they're trying to get there. Um, they all kind of convene at the same spot at the same time. At this basically. church. And they find out that the, the, the 
pages are in a cemetery. Yes. And they're going to get there before before Warlock. Yeah, and the idea is that they just want to double check to make sure that it's on consecrated ground. Because if it's there, if it's buried on consecrated soil, everything's fine. And it is, so they think. Yes. Which is cool. I like this, though. This is a very 80s thing where the graves are being relocated. Yeah. It was a, kind of a cool little sub, sub twist to the story. And Cassandra with a K notes that. And she's like, wait, we've been mo- they've moved some of these graves. Let's check the earth here. And she stabs. Why? I... I can't even remember why this the stabbing the ground with the weather vane is it because it had his blood on yeah. it? Okay, so they stab the ground with this weather vane that they've carried on a plane from a a Mennonite house in Colorado to uh, Boston graveyard, and it starts seething and boiling, and they're like, "Oh, poop! This isn't uh, this isn't consecrated ground. We <laughs> yeah. gotta get it out of here." And they discover that the the grimoire, the final pages, are in a tomb, and it is Redfern's tomb. Oh, and he really breaks down here. Why is he such a baby about it? Yeah, not a time to lose it, dude. For a person who uh, believes in God, has seen, like, God at, at work, you think he'd be, like... And he also has a dead wife that he wants to see on the other side. Why is he so upset about his own mortality? And he has traveled through like hundreds of years of time. Like, get over it, dude. And he has a body yeah. currently. This really bothered me. I was like, Ugh. there's a time to, to be a baby and there's a time to step up. Yeah. And it's time to step up. Dude. I don't know. Maybe it's especially upsetting to 17th century people. <laughs> I guess. But Warlock appears. Uh-huh. Flying through the sky. He wants that grimoire. Floats down. I think this is where he does even a cool little backflip on his wire. Uh, uh-huh. It's all very fancy. And he's barefoot. Guys, just know that he's barefoot this whole movie. And he does this cool thing where he's like whipping spells around and shooting fire. And we yep. get this battle between him. <gasps> he huh. looks like Malfoy's dad. Yeah, definitely has that look for he's sure. He's a Malfoy. Yeah. Okay. He's a Slytherin for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, the battle is going, but everything has to come to an end. And how it does is kind of a surprise. Yeah, it looks like it's over. He beats Redfern down. He tosses Cassandra with the K into the water. He gets the pages all together. Oh, the book assembles, which is actually kind of yeah, cool. It assembles itself. And then it's doing this weird stop motion kind of stuff yeah. where the pages are flying around. Okay. And then he's like, I know your name. I am British. I am British. Well, I'm Julian Sands and I know <laughs> the name of Gaul. And so then he's like going to undo all of creation. Uh-huh. And right as he is about to, good old uh, insulin Cassandra with her shots. Yes. So when he threw her into the water, she's getting out, like climbing out, and realizes the water is salt water. So she empties out her insulin shots, sucks up some water, and goes, runs at Julian Sands' warlock, stabs him in the neck with salt water. And remember, we had this whole long scene earlier about biting, chewing salt into a whip because... They because played no Warlocks role in don't anything. Like it. Now it now we know. Right. I mean the whip didn't play anything. That was basically just a reason for him to chew salt for a while. I don't know. I mean, I'd chew salt. What did you think about this death? This was pretty sweet. It was good. Yeah, he like catches on fire, melts away, then we get to see his like skeleton kind of moving around. Mm-hmm. It was pretty sweet. 
Unfortunately, they follow it up with the most ridiculous tornado ever. Oh, yeah. Well, Redfern, after this all happens, uh, turns back into, like, the devil's wind and uh, Tasmanian (laughs) devil's out of there. And then he goes over to his grave. Never to be seen again. No, he etches. He uses his tornado to etch in sure. an I'll remember you forever message. Yeah, and Cassandra's like, well, I'm 20, so that's not really I a huge care. loss. Yeah. And uh, last scene is her at the, the salt, you know, dunes or whatever. Great salt flats. And um, burying the book in the middle of this, you know, miles and miles of pure salt so it can never be discovered. Even if it's discovered, buried in salt. Yeah. Pretty cool ending, actually. Mm-hmm. That's Warlock. Uh, what'd you think of it? It was actually, I'd been kind of dragging my heels because I thought it was going to be kind of boring, but I, it was super fun. It was super fun, <laughs> yeah. huh? I, pros, cons, I actually have a lot of pros. I think that it is uh, a very solid film. Really fun. There's scarier scares than you'd think. Yeah, and good good kills and everything. It's, it's easy to follow. It's well acted, but... Man, the flying effects are do not. And the not, tornado. And the tornado and stuff like that are just so bad yeah. that you, this could never be anything but a B movie because yeah. of that. Unfortunately, yeah. I think if it had better effects, it might actually kind of fit into slightly above a B movie. But the, the second the effects happen, you're like, yeah, this is funny. But I love a good B movie. I do too. Yeah. So this holds up. I really enjoyed this a lot. The one thing I hate about my VHS copy is on the back. It's a shot of her sticking him in the neck with the shots. And so I was it like, ruins it. totally ruin it. Why would you do that? That's so stupid. Anyway, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Laser Graves approved for sure. Oh, yeah. And um, it did pretty well. It had a $7 million budget. It only made about $9 million back. But keep in mind, it had a very limited release years later. Yeah. Definitely caught on in the you know video market, home rentals. And then just kind of over the years has become one of those little, yeah, you know, cult classics of Warlock. Uh, we'll have to watch part two at some point. Yeah. Can't cover it here, but... Nope, 90s. We'll, we'll check it out. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, the one and only <laughs> Warlock. And now you can let go of that. I can. I'll find something else. Don't worry. I have no doubts. I will find something else for you. <laughs> the night is young. I will... I will go through my uh, little card catalog of accents and and pick a tasty one for you next week. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, again, if you liked what you heard, please follow us on Instagram. We're at Laser Graves. Check us out wherever you get your podcast or at lasergraves.com. Tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe. And if you want to follow us, I'm on Instagram at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And thanks for listening to us blab about Warlock this week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.